Welcome back to the whole cast. This podcast is funded by the generous patrons at patreon.com slash Curtis Holt. Before we get into it, in this episode, I'm joined by other members of the Blender Nest podcast as we discuss what things school does not prepare you for in real life, as well as professionalism and critique. If you're watching on YouTube, I will leave links to everyone that took part in this episode in the description. So let's get into it. So Sharon, is your ideal for like the future higher education in the United mm -hmm. States and doing 3D artwork as a profession? Higher education uh, is the first priority. Like I'll just complete my education as soon as possible. So that is most stable. Like I, I, I mean, I, I'm getting job offers as well, like internships uh, in my engineering side as well, like because I do know Python. I mean, like the Python, which Blender uses is very different than the Python I know, like which I use for uh, programming, data science and neural networks and stuff, machine learning. It's very different. Um, but I'm not like, uh, it's been a long time since I touched it, but I think I can brush it up as soon as possible. But then it fill in my skill set. So, you know, uh, I'm getting free, like internships and then they said like, okay, we can take you full time as well. But, uh, no, like that's not what I want at, at this point. Like my mind is all about like, let me make 3D as my career as soon as possible. So I can just be happy to blender whenever I want. I can wake up whenever I want. I can just do blender whenever I want. I can just sleep whenever I want. It's a good life. I know, like, uh, yeah. it's, I mean, I'm just planning for that. Like, honestly, that's the main goal. Like, you know, do whatever you want, but still be stable enough. That's what yeah. God is doing. And I'm, I mean, I'm really happy for him, actually. Oh, he wakes man. up whenever he wants, he sleeps whenever he wants, and he does whatever he loves to do. And yeah, yeah. That, that's all I want, honestly. That, that's the goal of all of us, <laughs> man. Like, you know, when you're, if, if you're young enough, when you're young, to, to be able to nail yeah. that down, do it, man. Because like by the time you by the time you're like older and you you know, I mean, it's all like what's available at the time, right? So like when I was like in my early twenties, like none of this existed. Like, yeah, the internet existed, but it was like a lot of, like I think I had cable modem at the time. So it was I had a, I had a fast connection, but it just came around. Yeah. Yeah. Social yeah. media wasn't a thing. Like you had to put up a website to get, you know, any kind of recognition. You had to do search engine marketing. It was like, it was pretty tough to get yourself out there. And, and you couldn't take credit yeah. cards, Like you had to have a merchant account to take, you know, any kind of payments online. And people were still really careful and, and scared about like doing any, buying anything online at the time. And I was like, yeah. you know, the stuff kind of didn't exist. Whereas now it's like, man, it's like the floodgates have opened and uh, it's, Still at yeah. the beginning of all of this, so I don't know, like you know, you yeah, exactly. Like I don't know from like how many people have bought my products and from which country they are, like which currency has been converted into dollars, and then it's in my bank right now. Like mm -hmm. it's ridiculous to just imagine, like it's all over the world at this point. Oh yeah, like my products. Yeah, like yeah. who would have imagined? Like it, it was like a dream for me, like to you know earn dollars, like in the currency. Like normally it's like rupees, right? My currency, like. Earning rupees is okay. Everyone does it in India, but sitting in India, sitting in a room, like in the small, like, I don't even know. I'm not even in a room. Actually, I'm sitting in this one small <laughs> location. And yeah, yeah, and earning dollars is ridiculous, honestly. I can't believe this is happening. But yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm really happy for that. It's yeah. an awesome thing. Hey, Achira. You yeah. guys are like in a, you know, you're in the prime position to take care, to take advantage of this stuff because you don't have like, you know, the, the, the life hasn't quite piled on yet. Like mm -hmm. it's starting to, you, and yeah. you're, you're feeling it, right? But it's yeah. like, it's not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So it's it's a yeah. great time. I can't say yes. I'm jealous, but it's like, but I, I, I'm i more excited for you guys than anything. Cause I see it. I'm like, oh, perfect. You guys mm -hmm. are like right in the right spot and you're taking advantage of it. And like, you, you can mitigate 
the other crap that life will pile on you. <laughs> like I'm already at the point where it's yeah. like, oh, I already like life already kind of like, you know, piled quite a bit on me, and I'm like, ah, I still want to break out of it. And it's, yeah, I, I'm, fight, I'm fighting, like... fighting an uphill battle all the time. Archer, uh, can you hear us? Yes. Okay. What's up, crew? Finally. Happy, happy wanna... corporate love day. Yes. Happy corporate love day. Oh, by the way, we like happy birthday card. Yeah. <laughs> yes, happy greeting card day. Yes. Happy belated. It's it's always nice having a birthday two days before Valentine's Day because it's like a constant reminder of how lonely you are. Oh man. Yeah, I wanted to jump in a a little bit back where um we were literally just talking about, you know, making a job out of doing all this stuff, waking up whenever you like during yeah. the day, making whatever you like. Um it is the dream. And I guess I'm very lucky that I've kind of you know got that running it is it is full time it comes with a whole host of anxieties because i think one of the main things i've realized looking back is that you really have to get over that weird idea that you had growing up that hard work equals success which is not necessarily true it is to a certain mm -hmm. degree but it's it's very situational um where like the term running to stand still always comes to mind where like i spent years and months on top of that, like just trying the same things over and over and over again and it not getting anywhere. And then one day you suddenly get like a hundred, a thousand, you know, people just looking at one very specific thing that you didn't spend necessarily too long on, like in the long run, compared to other projects. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, disproportionate amount of efforts uh, bring in disproportionate amounts of viewership and success. And so navigating that idea, I think, has been the most difficult thing. And I think it's probably something that, you know, most people don't talk about because maybe they're not, you know, completely self-reflective of, of the whole process or their change in behavior. And along with that comes this, this worry that you'll fall into a trap of the deserving mentality, which is something I've mentioned before, I think, in one of the earlier podcast episodes, which is that when you receive a certain amount of success and you don't receive it, in the future after that you start almost hating the universe like an external lotus of control this kind of form yes and you're kind of thinking okay um, external factors are affecting this you know it's not me i deserve better so i've been trying to navigate this and make the these difficulties kind of more public um i've tried to be quite expressive about this kind of reflection and try and get other people on board and i think to a certain degree it's annoyed people sometimes because like I stop making the stuff that people want to see and I start making all this, you know, really in depth, like very personal stuff. And, but I think there's some people out there that find it really useful. So I wanted yeah. to kind of get your opinions on things like this. Now, this is a bit of a deep conversation, so I get it if it's like, you know, a moment for pause, but have there ever been any moments in your life or any people you've observed like doing well, where you've had those moments where it's like, okay, what I learned in school does not necessarily reflect life. Like I need to, I need a readjustment period here. Something's not matching up, you know, finding your way as a human being, yep. essentially. I wondered if any of you had any experiences that you might want to share. I mean, the, like, uh, I mean, talking about school, I think the math that I'm using, like I'm learning, like you know, the calculus and everything, I don't know where to use it. So what I'm trying to say is like, it's very theoretical that I learn in school. And when it comes to practical, it's not applying the same knowledge practically. It's like learning about a circuits and building circuits is very different, right? Whatever you learn in the school is not quite enough. But yeah, you, you should start experimenting. You should find your own way to get through the same thing. And it only comes by experimenting and experiences. That's what 
yeah school school does not it doesn't teach you you're right it, it it doesn't teach you practical i think once you get to like master's level like my master's program taught me some practical stuff but your undergrad especially college like high school and college are not going to teach you most of what you need to do to survive in the real world it's just it's it's a lot of theoretical stuff yeah. Yeah. That's not to say like, okay, like learning math so you can count your money when you do exchanges is that's one thing, right? But you're, you're not learning like college and school does not teach you how to go out and make money. It teaches mm -hmm. you like, especially like in the United States, it seems to be geared toward teaching you to go out and work for somebody else. It's not like an entrepreneurial mindset. You're not taught that. Like, the, the, yeah. Okay. I, I'll, I'll preface it by saying that probably some schools out there do teach that. Like I know if you go to Stanford, um, if you can get into that MBA program, they, they do teach a lot of entrepreneurialship stuff. But if if you're in in the you know the rank and file, you're kind of being funneled into corporate America, at least here. And it's it's not good or bad. It, it's just kind of the way the system is set up. So I think you take what you can learn from school and realize that your first job out of school is going to be like nothing like you thought it was going to be. It's just not. Like when I got out of college, I was like, oh my God, this is the real world. This is, this is like, what did I need all that stuff for? It just kind of a stamp of approval. It says you can finish something yeah. and it's, yeah. it's not, it's not practical. You're absolutely right. Like nothing I learned in school, it was really practical. Like there were a few things like logic and contemporary rhetoric was a class I took debate. And that, that is extremely useful in being able to pick apart propaganda now. That, that's amazingly useful to me, but it's not like practical. I mean, it's not like. I'm making money doing this. It's just, I can see through a lot of the BS out there that, that helps. But uh, as far as like making money, it's not really teaching you that stuff. Yeah. yeah. One more thing, like, you know, like in India, I mean, you can be like a machine learning scientist, but at that age, you, you can have that much knowledge. But I'm just saying like 90% of the time, the first internship that you get is just going to be filling with spreadsheet. They just give you a data. All you have to do is just type it out in a spreadsheet. Like, yeah, I mean, they're not trying to undermine you or something like, you know, underestimate your skills. They know what you're capable of, but then you should know how to work like, you know, practically like, so the first internship, uh, it's going to be about spreadsheets and then slowly, uh, once they know that, okay, you can work in a team, then they'll start assigning you more and more jobs until then, like plugging spreadsheets. Yeah. If that makes sense. I like, see. I, exactly. Yeah, I see interns. I see interns coming in thinking that they're going to be designing the product. They're they're yeah, they're fed so. this. I don't know if they they start believing this in college or whatever that they're like some rock star and they're going to like go into the workforce with all this new knowledge and and completely like turn the company on its head and be like a rock star. It's not the case. Like you you get into a company, you got to prove yourself, and yeah. you have to see. It's like you said, you have to you have to prove that you can work on a team because. A job is not, you know, you're, you're not like all on your own doing everything by yourself. It's all teamwork. So if you can't exist on a team, if you're a jerk, nobody's going to want to work with you. It's just the way mm -hmm. it is, yeah. right? So, you, so you, you, A, you, your attitude has to be right from the start. If your attitude sucks, you're off, you're out, you're gone, right? Yeah. And, and there's like a number of other things that you have to learn. Like you have to learn, you know, interpersonal skills. You have to learn, you know, where you fit on a team. You have to, you know, where, where's your value added? Like what, what do you bring to the team? What it's, it's, there's, there's so much to learn that they don't really kind of teach you in college. Like, I guess there's some programs out there that do kind of put you on teams and have you go out and do stuff. And that's like the more practical stuff. Yeah. I, I, I think that's awesome because yeah. that, 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 that type of thing prepares you, but just like, you know, 
thinking that you're going to go, you're, you're going to go and work for, I don't know, like General Motors, and you're going to be the person designing the, the, the car. No. Could you rephrase the question so I can be sure I'm answering the right question? Yeah, we've kind of, we drifted a bit, but this is fine for discussion. Yeah. So the original question was about like um, having moments in your life where you've realized that what you've kind of grown to know, like the kind of things they teach you in school is different from what you're experiencing in life. Like when you finally leave and you're confronted with reality, like have you had any moments of being like, oh, okay, I need to kind of readjust my perception on life, like my my choices, what I'm going to do. Definitely. I think so. Thanks for rephrasing that. I think one of the first things that I wanted to do really early on was neuroscience. And that's completely, well, I wouldn't say completely, but very unrelated to what I'm doing now. Um, shortly after the neuroscience, I was focused on computer science and that's also somewhat related, but very different from what I'm doing now. And so I think for me, one of the big things that I didn't learn so much in school was being able to pivot and take, you know, understand this is what I've learned from this experience in my life, whether that be a work experience or what, what have you. And here's how I can apply that to um, this next jump or this next switch instead of getting bogged down by the fact that I'm no longer doing what I thought I should be doing or what I thought I wanted to do. Mm. And that was huge. And I think for some context, like I went to public school. I went to uh, my high school. The name is Terra Environmental Research Institute. So it was a, a, a magnet school that focused primarily on environmental studies, biomedicine and robotics and engineering. And I was in the biomedicine uh, sort of branch of those studies, but intermingled with all of the above. And I learned a lot. And the motto of the, of the school was, when they ask us to think outside the box, we ask, what box? And so that sounds really silly, and it is, but at the same time, it's kind of this really, I think, really um, important concept and idea to ingrain in people is to just be able to think outside the box, but even question the box that you're being asked to think outside of. Um because I've been able through that, like I've so far been um, working at, I worked at a comic book shop, one of the oldest in the United States. I worked at a smoothie shop. Um, no, uh, it's A&M Comics in Miami, Florida. Um, oh, wow. I worked at, but I've been to Newbury, it's a good spot. I worked at a smoothie shop with a couple of friends and now I'm working at Harvard shooting lectures, which is like the jump between i mean that's part of what i do but the jump between smoothie shop boy and doing that um was was also another huge learning moment which was working um as sort of a tutor mentor uh really kind of i i like to think like firefighter put you know at um the idea center at miami Dade college where i helped um organizations like launch code which is a, a non-profit that places people with non-technical backgrounds into jobs in tech and uh, with cs50x miami which is an offshoot of harvard cs50 course based in miami and other tech initiatives in the miami area to get just people excited about it and there i learned so much that i didn't learn in school like how to write an email how to show up to a business meeting like i've always kind of been well, at least Actually, up until that point, I'd been sort of like with in this um, sort of consistent uh, economic bracket for myself. And so, you know, I would be showing up to meetings with really heavy hitters that are dressed to the nines in pretty much what I'm wearing now. And um, 
understanding that there is a difference there, but at the same time there isn't, is also something that I didn't learn in school that was like an on-the-ground experience for me that I value and was able to carry through a lot. And I think like in my specific case, I'm from Venezuela. I grew up in Florida. Um, I uh, took the FCAP, which is Florida Comprehensive Assessment Test, and I dealt, at least from primary school, with a lot of teachers who taught for the test as opposed to teaching you for the learning. And so in in some different way, yeah, in some different way, part of that I value a lot because I was able to, because of my upbringing and because of just the way that my personality is, I guess, able to also see that and and try to understand a little bit that I had to also put focus into teaching myself. And so I think that's also something that's not very, at least in my experience, covered in school up until that point. That is something that allows, that's been really helpful. Um, but I, yeah, I think um, the biggest thing I would say is learning to pivot and learning to to be okay with the unknown that lies ahead and to the, to sort of take, like actively sit and try to think about, okay, this may not be what I'm doing anymore, but what can I take from it to whatever my next move might be that will help me excel instead of getting bogged because it's really simple to get bogged down by change. Um, and because of the nature of like, my trajectory in life, it's been a lot of change. Um, and so that that's something that's not really covered in school that I nobody really sat down to have a conversation with me about. But through osmosis, I've kind of inferred this from several people in my life, from several situations in my life. Um, just be okay with with change because change will happen. Like seasons change, people change, jobs change, uh, you know, identities change. The way that you want to move forward in life changes. But the one persistent thing would be that you can be okay with that change and that you'll be okay. And I think that sort of um, temperament has been really helpful for me. And it's not something that's really covered, just like finances, uh, you know, that you should have healthcare if you're being a freelancer and all these things that we've talked about on here um, are often not like specifically taught, but are facts of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that school doesn't encourage you to be constantly rewriting your origin story when you like apply for institutional uh, mm-hmm. positions and uh, like fellowships and grants and stuff like that you've kind of like an application story like for me I, I've, I'm i like an institutional kid like I went to a, a slew of uh, like private schools where like there was a heavy emphasis on academia um, my classmates were all really intelligent people but as a result of that institutional location there was an emphasis on uh structure and selling yourself to the people like the puppeteers of the structure Um, and once you sort of transcend or get through like this chain of institutions you know joining kindergarten when you're three to graduating from college um, you kind of are forced to reevaluate um, like who you are and what your role is outside of institution, um, which is really difficult if that's what you know, what you've been used to. And the story that you tell yourself to sell yourself to institutions doesn't work in real life. 
because you don't have anyone to convince. Like you just have to figure that out for yourself and also come to terms with the fact that the origin story is ever evolving. Um, Like for me specifically, I've been a writer my whole life. I studied history in college. Um, I studied Chinese in college. Um, At university, I studied at Yunnan Dashue, Yunnan University in China. I also studied at University of Edinburgh in Scotland and doing various things. (laughs) And um, I was interested in a bunch of different things. Um, and the institution always supported me. Like I never really had to uh, support myself outside of convincing teachers and grant holders that uh, I could do it, you know? So now in real life, I'm sort of presented with a new market. I'm, I'm sort of presented with the challenge of discovering new tools. When I met Arturo, I was using an operating system from 2011 <laughs> and we met in 2017. So I like didn't use my laptop for anything but email and like maybe Google Docs, like Google Drive. So I didn't know anything. So like learning Photoshop last year was so hard. (laughs) And and I've come a really long way, you know, being able to navigate under various softwares like I can now. And but sort of getting over that hurdle and figuring out what tools are available outside the institution, like open source tools and free tools that exist out there, like uh, networks that you can join like free of charge, like all these various discords. There's so much. And if you're not really searching for these communities, you can easily overlook them. So that's kind of a bit of my journey. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, regarding the thing, I mean, there are like many points that came through of my head, like when they both were speaking. Uh, One thing was about skills, right? Like life skills is very like different from what they teach. Teaching is like the like, you know, educational skills is very different from life skills. Like if you think about the worst case, like at least in India, when you go into the society, there are about out of 100 people, there are like about 90 people who are unemployed because all these people are taught or like told to them that they are supposed to become engineers or doctors or something else. That's it. But in the worst case, what else could you become? No one knew. Like I was like a obvious, I was like a complete engineering nerd at like even now I am. But I was at this point where I was completely done with like how engineering felt. I know how engineering felt at this one point of time, and then I knew like okay, I'm, I might get bored in the future for sure. Like. I mean, I'm not sure how many people can do the same thing for the rest of their life, but I don't think so I can because I'm not that stable enough. Like if I think about starting a tutorial today, after a few days, I might think, okay, this is not what I want to do now. Let's move on to something else. That's how fickle my mind is. But I'm not really sure if I can take up one particular skill and, you know, just work on it for the rest of my life. Yeah. So, I mean, there are so many people, I mean, if it's, I mean, I'm not the only person in this world who thinks the same, right? There will be like few people at least, like at least in the big, huge India, there'll, there'll be at least like thousand people minimum who thinks the same way as me, probably. And if they don't have any other skills other than engineering what they teach in school, uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do in the life. Most of them just waste the time just roam around that's i mean i know so many people who does that like they don't know what to do 
they don't get jobs because of their under skills because they're not that good at engineering but that's what like you know what school teaches you is just like how to get, get a particular things done but in reality if that that thing doesn't work out what else can you do that's not what we are learning anyway in this in this yeah. country at least like i don't know if yeah. they're teaching you guys but and and also talking about uh, like you know photoshop you ali you told that you just got to know about it last year i didn't even know that i mean you know i just know that photoshop is something what photographers use just to make your face beautiful take all the patches from your face that's all i know about photoshop but i didn't know it is like a very powerful compositing tool you can make a lot of things with it i didn't even know that blender exists like not even blender like autodesk maya 3d software i didn't even know that like you know just imagine i watch animated movie right from the childhood like i didn't even know like how they are made like you know i didn't even think okay this is like an animation software mm-hmm. i didn't even know about that until i was i started engineering like can you imagine mm-hmm. uh, it was i was so uh, i didn't know about all these skills that can be that is possible and they just say like you know we spend so many dollars on this one particular movie it's like for what it's just in a computer why would you spend so much money <laughs> It's all you have to do is just pay current bills. That's what. That's exactly what I was thinking. But I didn't know like so much. This such a big pipeline. So many artists work for this one particular movie. Like exactly. Like you know. I mean, for example, life skills are nothing but the things which just pay you, and you're just getting paid because you have to. Like you know. Like you don't want to starve. Like you have to eat. You have to sleep. You have to just pay rent. Those are the basic needs, right, for humans, like for surviving. Yeah. So that's what those life skills are not even given like you know agriculture is there but if, if all the farmers send their children to like you know engineering who are the next farmers? Yes. There should be at least few, right? Like uh, all these life skills are just getting extinct I guess. I don't yeah. know like it's uh, it's something which uh, is happening. So I don't know like I, I was just working on it like I was just thinking about it. That that's a very good I, I don't know if it's off topic but I just want to it out. No, yeah, no, that's good. Very good perspective. I'll, I'll yeah. quickly throw in my two cents. The some of the things that I wish I learned in school because I did in year twelve, I did geography, which was an awesome subject. I did physics, maths one, maths two, and drama, of course. Um, yeah. But I wish I didn't do the advanced maths one and two because that was pointless for me. Physics, you know, I learned a few things. Um, but I wish I did stuff like accounting or home ec because I like I had the opportunity just to leave after year 10 because I knew after year 12, I was going to become a fitter and turner in the family business and I was going to do that for the rest of my life. Well, met a girl, moved to a uh, different state. Now I'm a public servant doing Blender stuff, making animations, YouTube videos. Um, but it would have been good to actually have decent life skills i mean yeah. ellie you were talking about being very in- institutional whatever that word is um, <laughs> <laughs> it's monday morning and you're very right you know you're you're pretty much the whole curriculum is to get you to university but for the people who aren't going to university that's you know it doesn't help mm-hmm. so but yeah my nephew's smart he doesn't like school he finished year 10 now he's got an apprenticeship yeah that seems to be the way. But boy. I'll leave you guys to it. I'll talk to you later. See ya. Have a nice day. Have fun, Mark. Have a good, 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 good day. Good day at work. Hey, Marco. Sorry, I just want to quickly throw in there uh, on the tail of Markham saying 
uh, about the apprenticeship, this is another thing that wasn't really ingrained, I think, in this in the right context for me, which was being able to not being able to, but being willing to work for free, like being able to take on an apprenticeship, being able to uh, being willing to take on a um, an internship or a fellowship somewhere is incredibly important. One of the things that I said to Sadi Kotham, who's one of my mentors growing up, uh, or really, I, I mean, I guess I'm always growing up, but really this was uh, like about five, six years ago was uh, teach me, this was on the night that I met him, but I could tell that like just based on sort of the, um, my experiences around him and about him, I could tell that I, I had a lot to learn from him. And so I told him verbatim, teach me everything you know, and I will work for you for free. And he did. And I did. And that was largely uh, what led up to this result of what I'm doing with my life now, which is, again, like working at this course that I took that I like really loved and that has turned my life around for, for the better. But I was I prior to that had come from a long line of different paths that I had self-selected and was completely fine in fully enveloping myself in without any expectations of returns towards me because it was more about the experience and less about the funding. I mean, and when you, uh, I guess if you really want to go detailed into it, like there was, I, I couldn't, I, I didn't have a work permit. And so I couldn't accept mm. any sort of funding either. So that was a whole other thing. But w even without that sort of hurdle in the way, I just wanted the on the ground experience because I knew it was valuable. And so I worked for free and I had internships and I had fellowships and, and uh, experiences that weren't about how much will I make so that I can go on doing the next thing, but instead, what am I learning and how much can I absorb from all these great people that I'm around so that when the time comes, if the time comes that I can finally do my own thing or self-select something that will give me returns, I will be fully well-rounded for it and won't be lacking and won't feel the same sort of imposter syndrome that i feel right now and mm -hmm. if you, like if you're where's the camera stand my iPad. i think it's here if you're watching this if this is a video if not if you're listening to it um imposter syndrome i think doesn't go away that's what i've i'm i will be 27 in a couple of days oh, and yeah, i've indeed. had like yeah <laughs> i've had 20 like i've had a couple of years of dealing with this thing that's just kind of kicking around where every couple of weeks i will say to myself i you have no idea what you're doing you are a fake and a phony and i don't think it goes away i think you just learn yeah. to deal with it um not necessarily ignore it but recognize it and realize that it's just like a part of you that could just be there solely for the purpose of allowing you to tell it to f off um and so <laughs> you know just find yourself find the strength to tell it to go away uh, and that it's wrong and you'll be fine. But back onto the thing about working for free, like there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So long as you're aware that, you know, the people that you're working for aren't taking advantage of you and just really sit and think about what do I get out of this in terms of what am I learning? Like, are these, are the people that I'm working for right now, ace at writing emails, as was the case for one of the places where I worked. Great. Well, no matter what happens here, what sort of emails I have to send, I'm going to take out of it that I will learn how to write the best damn emails. So come the next pivot, come the next turn, come the next thing that I want to work at, that won't be something I have to worry about. And copy and paste that uh, mentality into everything that you do. And you'll at least have like a heavy tool belt of skills um, 
that saying's like a uh, jack of all trades is a master of none mm-hmm. is oh, is that what it is jack yes. of all trades yes. master yes. of none yes. is better than a master of one that's the full quote and a yeah. lot of people don't finish it up mm-hmm. and it's important like it's it's a lot better to be well-rounded all around in my experience than it has been to be like you know fully about neuroscience because now for example and then i'll wrap it up with this like I don't, I didn't follow that path in my life. I'm not a neuroscientist right now. I don't, uh, like actively study medicine, but the things that I did learn in neuroscience, when my interest in computer science and through it, artificial intelligence came around, equipped me to understand some contextual jumps between neuroscience and that subject and what is artificial intelligence and the way that algorithms and machine learning are sort of laid out and so that was incredibly helpful. I didn't become a computer scientist either and my interest in artificial intelligence didn't come until after that, but because I did study neuroscience for a while, I'm uh, sorry, well neuroscience and computer science after that for a while, then that was made easier to learn. And so it doesn't hold I think the huge thing for me is that it doesn't hold this horrible emotional physical weight on my body and on my being that I didn't follow through with what I thought I wanted at the moment. Yeah. And that is so liberating and so freeing. And I think it it really helps me literally just sleep better at night is that I don't have to fight yeah. with myself for not doing uh, for not continuing this thing that I'd spent so much time on. Yeah. Yeah. Very well. Said. Mm-hmm. So, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, so about the whole coming out of school and having a, like a different perspective on things. I've had a bit of an interesting childhood and been raised quite different to the people that I was surrounded by in school because I've been very lucky to have the kind of behind the scenes perspective on a very specific industry, which is the film industry, because my dad is, well, he's quite hard in his position. He like hires a bunch of people as a special effects supervisor. So he works with production companies to well, bring films to life. And it's been interesting growing up and being able to go on sets and speak to people from every single part of the ladder like every possible like pick an area on the ladder and there you go like you can speak to someone um and i've learned a few things like kind of assessing that as a phantom behind the scenes because when going through school and even like my parents kind of um dealing with things almost the same way as like we were describing about the whole india situation sharon is that you know there's like this lure towards the idea that if you follow one set specific path you're guaranteed for success and it eliminates the fear of failure and it eliminates the fear of uncertainty and i've had to deal with that a little bit because in school that's all they teach you as you were saying they they don't teach you necessarily for learning they teach you how to succeed and pass tests and that's kind mm-hmm. of obviously represented i know i remember back when i was doing science they literally gave us printouts of every single previous test that had been done because they had access to them they're like right study all the questions study all the answers and sometimes they're going to come up and that's how you're going to succeed it's not a really good outlook on life and even when it came to choosing whether to do university and a levels a levels come before universities in the uk it's an optional thing but i didn't want to do it because i was very much like a you know stick a middle finger up to you know the traditional way of doing things but my parents were like no you've got to do it because that's that's what you do that's sensible i don't want you to be a dropout because there's you know a bit of a stereotype of the idea of if you drop out you're a failure if you're a dropout what you do is play yeah. games every every day you know this kind of idea of like this this linear path to professionalism didn't really match up with what i had seen 
with my experiences, you know, on sets and behind the scenes, of course, there's professionalism. But here's the thing. Professionalism for me seems to have like this kind of this curve, which goes up and then comes down, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a bell curve. So you start off with like maybe a school level. And as, as you kind of come out, you do your apprenticeships, or you do university, the professionalism ramps up, you know, people start wearing suits, it depends where you're going, really. And like, everyone wants really long emails. And it's all very, yes, we're going to do this properly, we're going to do it right. And you reach like, I think a peak point of professionalism, which is like managerial, everyone's going for meetings all the time, you're wasting time, you know. But then after that, once you get to like super high level stuff, where people are just solely focused on producing things, you know, to make money to do whatever, I've seen that it drops off. Like, there's a point of professionalism where people are kind of overcompensating because they feel like that's what you need to do to succeed. And then there's yes. the people that actually know how to do stuff, right? And when you look at the entire ladder and you see that, you think, oh, that's what people don't see. Like, people, they come out of school, they think, I'm going to work so hard and I'm going to be so super professional. I'm going to like write a long thing to apply. My portfolio is going to be massive and whatever. They spend all this time, even when they get into jobs, being hyper professional, trying so hard, but like they just can't see the other side of the curve. And that's messed me up because like I've had like, you know, random cool chats with people that are high up in their field. And like, you know, if you had a superiority complex, you could sit there and think, well, I'm super organized and this person isn't, then why don't I have their job and this, that, and the other, you know? But that's that's the dangerous thing. That's a dangerous element about it. When you don't have that perspective. This is one of the kind of driving forces behind me having the confidence to try and do this weird lifestyle where you don't work for anyone, you just make whatever you like, and you're kind of just running with the idea that, you know, if you spend short amounts of time on every project, it's better in the long run. You know, it's quantity over quality, essentially, but it does work, which is like a weird twisted thing that school doesn't really want you to believe necessarily, you know, if you're told that hard work equals success. So yeah, I never really thought about how to like properly phrase all that, but I'm hoping that that makes sense to some degree. No, it totally makes sense. Um, it does. It does. Yeah, I think it's working smart. Yeah, working, working smart is working smarter always yeah. beats working harder, because you can work harder, uh, harder, 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 but you're not doing anything productive. Whereas you're working smarter, you're more efficient and you're burning through stuff and you're getting things done and you're knocking things out of the way. Mm -hmm. I, I I've worked in corporations for my entire professional life and i can tell you like you always you always know who the who the the ambitious ones are because they're always the ones that are like they they try to they they, they will lace their conversations with jargon and what we call it in, in, in at least in the united states we call it corporate speak hmm. which is like this like mumbo jumbo of like garbage jargon that actually means nothing and it adds a whole bunch of superfluous language to something to make you seem like you know what you're talking about. And I can always tell the people who don't know what they're doing, but are just jockeying for position by how much they use that language. Yeah. Because I'll tell you what, like I, I work directly with vice presidents. I've worked directly with CEOs. Like these guys are not laced with jargon. Okay. Like, okay. The CEOs, when they do their press conferences and stuff, yes, they, they pull it out and they do that, but it's for effect. You talk to these people on the, you know, on the normal level in a meeting, they're not speaking that way. They're not using that terminology. Mm -hmm. They're just talking about like practical stuff and getting things done. That's it. Yep. And you know, their hobbies and whatever. Like they're human. They they, they have fun. They, they you can talk to them about lots of things because they're people. But 
like you're talking about that bell curve and there definitely is that like ramp up where people are like, I have to learn the lingo. I have to write emails. I have to, and and you'll see too, you'll see the people who, who they don't do a whole lot, except their name always appears on every single email chain that ever goes out. Mm -hmm. And you can tell who these people are that are just jockeying for a position versus the people who actually know what's going on. It's not a fair system because the people who are jockeying for position, a lot of times will end up in those positions and they're not the people that necessarily know how to do anything they're just the people who know how to play the game and climb the ladder but on the other end you know who the people are who actually get stuff done and it's just like it's a game the whole thing is a game yeah and it's it's in learning that right from the get-go and knowing that it's just a game from the get-go puts you in an advantageous position because you could choose to be like i i know personally i i've had slight managerial roles where I've been, I've had project manager roles. Like I've been a project manager before and I've had like, I've been a lead for a number of years. I've had people working under me. I've had decisions on hiring and firing and things, but I've never wanted that next like level because the next level in a corporate structure is for intents and purposes, it's called the BS job. And there's mm-hmm. actually a book out there. I'm not going to use foul language because this is going on <laughs> Curtis's thing, but there's, there's a book out there called BS jobs. And that's what it, that's the title, BS Jobs. And right. like it, it basically details these entire classes of jobs that are created in corporations that are virtually meaningless. And you could strip it all away and you and the company would still function. And so many of these people and things get caught up in these BS jobs. And it's like learning what these BS jobs are from the start and learning how to cut through that. Like you realize, like for me, I don't want one of those jobs. Like I was speaking to a, a coworker like a few days ago in the office and we're just like, we realized like managing in our, in our company is basically doing the job. That's everything you hate about work, you know, mm-hmm. filling out paperwork all day long, looking at people's timesheets, personality, like managing personalities. Like, it's just like crap. Like we, we actually just like to do the job. And for, for me, like, I like to actually like talk to people and go and market and bring in work. And I like to flood our, our department pipeline. Like, and I do this for my freelance too. I go out and I'll flood the pipeline. And I like that. I like bringing in work. Like I like being a rainmaker, but doing like all that other minutia, it's important to do the minutia, but there's like, like a lot of these jobs will get so caught up on that. And that's something that college doesn't even prepare you for either, but you'll, you'll get caught up in that level and you realize like, ah, oh, it's just, it's such garbage. But a lot of times you have to go through that garbage to make it to the top. Yeah, And it's the point of what I'm saying here, okay, to, to bring this all around back home is that there needs to be, and there's not right now, but there need to be like in our society tracks where you could be like the creative and you can rise with the administrative. Mm-hmm. And right now the administrative is very top heavy, like administrative gets everything creative and like, you know, engineers like regular engineering will, will get, you know, always stay below and it's structured that way because of the bs job factor but i would love to see it and it used to be this way where it was you know it was like this and you could rise with it and i've seen you know we, we've had we've had engineers and we, we've had like the film industry you can do that like you can be a creative and you can rise mm-hmm. but if you're like a creative in any other industry you're fighting an uphill battle so it would be cool if that levels out but i yeah i lost I lost, I did it again and I lost my place. So let's bring it back home to, to realizing what you want, you know, and, and that's an important thing is realizing which direction you want to go in. Cause you can, you can be on that level and, and do the BS stuff. And you'll probably rise, you know, but if you're creative, it's kind of, it's harder 
and especially like you know talking to our our most of our our audience are creatives right you kind of got to carve out that spot where you can rise with the tide but you have to know that that game is being played against you constantly yeah before we pass on to archer i just want to like add one bit as well you mentioned uh, superfluous things, and I think that's something mm-hmm. that's so important when thinking about what we're saying, saying about the bell curve and um, over over professionalism and wasting time. I mean, meetings Wait. are meetings are such a big point about that. People have meetings oh, yeah. just for the sake of having meetings, and it's just terrible. Oh, they, they have yeah, they have meetings to prepare for the next meeting. Yes, it's, exactly. It's... <laughs> and I think you can tell who really gets stuff done based on even simple things like fashion choice because you know you've seen like these big 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 like high functioning billionaire ceos compare them to like what they wear to you know people that try hard too much you know they just wear trash they wear the same thing every day because just because it's comfortable why because you cut off all the superfluous professionalism and you just get stuff done you get stuff done that's it yeah it's true I think that fits really well into Kev. You were saying it's kind of like a game, and I I agree. Uh, it really does feel like a game, and so why not game it, right? Like I've, I'm taking some notes down here because we're getting deep down into the weeds, and I appreciate it, and I love it, and I got a lot to say about these things, and uh, I love hearing Kevin what you just said. Like you said, um, Curtis, you said hard work does not necessarily equal success, essentially, and I, that's a hundred percent. And Kevin, you were getting into the weeds of the jargon, and I know that's so true. And I was debating whether or not to say it, but I'll just I feel it so. And I think it's true, so I'll just say it. Like, there's so many fake entrepreneurs out there, and you know uh-huh. who you are. You know who you are. Jargon doesn't mean that you know. It just means, and this is bringing it back to the education conversation, it just means that you knew how to memorize. Yes. Okay. It doesn't mean that you know how to contextualize. And so just because you can drop every single buzzword in an email or in a meeting or whatever, it doesn't actually mean that you know what you're talking about or that you know the impact or influence that it might have or that it has. In some cases, I'm sure that it does, but uh, and, and this kind of brings it to the other point uh, and something that I wrote down a bit earlier, which is that there's something to learn about and from everyone, absolutely everyone. So whether it's somebody who's working, and going back to sort of what you were saying, Curtis, like somebody who's working as a production assistant on a film or somebody who's actually uh, you know, a, a director or a visual effects artist, like every single person up that ladder for using the film analogy has something really valuable to digest in terms of what their experience has been. And what I try to do in, when I'm in situations where I meet people that I don't necessarily, that don't do things that have to do with what I'm working on or that I wouldn't normally have access to otherwise is try to absorb those bits of knowledge. Like what you know, what does a production assistant know about the set that a director might not have the time to know because they're working on something completely different, oh, right? Yeah. And so, um, and this, uh, and kind of doing a, a sort of a eight shape or infinity shape back to what Kevin was saying, um, like it brings the idea of knowing your strengths. Like you, there are people who have specific strengths and things, we know this, um, and but you also know that, you also know the things that you could be doing better that you're not doing and the things that you could be working on that you're not working on. And yep. so that's where this game comes in, right? Because you have this idea of, okay, I can learn something from absolutely everyone. So I shouldn't just pander to the CEOs or the collegiate professors of whatever I'm working on or school I'm going to, or the head of this company that I'm working on. 
Um, so the, the idea of like not pandering and absorbing as much as you can from everyone, but at the same time, like, how can I take some time to focus on working on the things that I know that I could be doing better at? Um, because again, like hard work doesn't necessarily equal success. Um, uh, but for a lot of people, and this is something that I've seen personally helping people get placed into jobs and also myself being placed into jobs, it's more about the drive. Like, no, I, I have a hard time believing that people will hire somebody who doesn't have an inkling of wanting to be in that position, unless it's, you know, some job like in the movies, like office space or something where the people are just like dead inside. Best so, movie ever, but go on. <laughs> and so how, like, I guess this turns the conversation a little bit, but uh, into knowing your strengths and recognizing the strengths, because I think that that's something that's also huge. It's not necessarily taught in school. Um, so we've got absorbing, we've got that there's something to learn about from, from everyone. We've got pivoting, but then knowing your strengths and kind of working on top of those, I think for me at least is a bit trickier because I, like, I can snap a photo better than I could a couple of years ago. And I would say that I do have an artistic eye that, and I would, this is not something that I would feel comfortable saying when I first started, um, this gig, but, um, kind of going back to something we were talking about earlier too, like, Hard work does not equal success. Sometimes I will work really hard to take a lot of photos so that I have a lot of coverage of an event just in case, and then I'll go through and call those and make something beautiful out of those photos. But some of the photos that I've been best that have been best received by audiences online, my friends, and even myself are pictures that I didn't really think about when I clicked the shutter. Mm-hmm. And I didn't shoot 60 of them like I do sometimes to get just that one good shot. I was just in the right moment at the right time. I took the right amount of time to like lift up the camera, right amount of time to hit the shutter. All my settings were right. And boom, we've got a moment like captured in time from an angle that nobody else has that makes people feel like they were actually there. Meanwhile, like I've got photos that I've actually worked really hard on shooting and in post that just don't, either see the light of day or aren't as striking, or you can actually see through the, like the fake entrepreneurs and see that they're just, you know, they're fabricated and they're worked really hard on. Mm-hmm. And so like, how do you then, um, what's the word? How do you um, sharpen that sword? Like, how do we work on knowing our strengths? And I know Curtis, you had other questions lined up. Well, I'll pose one more question. What's a giveaway sign that someone has a creative outlook on life? You can take a while to think about that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that I'm going to ask is like, what does it mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's too complicated English for me to understand. Okay. So someone who goes through life just with a creative attitude, so they can combine ideas. They're always trying to do things maybe a bit divergent from normality because that's what creativity is. So, are there any signs, yeah. any ticks, any behaviors, any ways they speak, any ways they present themselves? Like if you were to look at someone on the street going by and you think, huh, that person must be kind of creative. I'm just wondering if there's any identifiable things that you might have picked up on. Either he should be Gabe or he should be Ben. Very <laughs> Gabe. I think yeah. for me right now, it's the fact that, that, that uh, Sharon asked for clarification on that question. And that, that, that to me brings creativity maybe to a really like, like it wasn't anything out of this world. So maybe low level isn't the right way to say it, but just not, it wasn't an intense show of creativity, but to me it showed like, you know, he wasn't just answering the question directly of like, what do you, I forgot what the exact phrasing was, but you know, 
he was thinking, okay, I want to make sure that I don't answer this question with my own line of thinking of what the question was, which to me, very to a very minute level speaks like, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's churning things up there, yeah. thinking about things. It's like if information is a tool, he's looking for more of it. I would say there's there's three there's three characteristics. The first characteristic, like what Arturo was pointing to just then, like the querying authority or even resistance to authority. Like when you know people like bristle to when told exactly what to do, mm-hmm. um, when it rubs them the wrong way, when the whole purpose of an activity is just to follow instructions, and and that's bothersome to you. That's a sign that. You're a creative person. Second characteristic I would say is vision. If you don't want to follow instructions in this way, what would you do instead, right? So you have to have a vision for an alternative for yourself, for your life, for your goals, for your purpose. Um, And then the third thing I would say, I wrote down energy slash hope. So you have to like have this like inner fire to like not only envision, a new way of doing things, but embark on that like new journey. Yeah. And in order to have energy, you have to be a hopeful person. Like you have to believe that there's like a purpose to it all. Like there's a there's a reasonable chance that what you are going for can be achieved, and that there there's goodness in the world so that you can achieve it. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. That's a lovely way of putting it. Damn, Ellie's on point here, coming in with the. I know that's really on point. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I was going to answer. Uh... There's no way I can tell. <laughs> I, I I I can't. I, I I think that's awesome what you said. Um, personally, I have a I, I I walking just walking down the street. Any telltale signs that somebody's creative? It's, it's I, yeah, I can't. People are way too complex for that. I I think I've met so many people that I thought weren't creative at all who totally blew me away. And it's just in one area. They're mm-hmm. super creative in one area. And like the rest of their life is just wrote like dead inside. But that one area, they just, and you don't even know it. Um, I've seen people, you know, dressed to the nines in the suits who you think are just total, you know, game players and fakers um, who actually turn out to be super creative and, and cool. And it's just, I think it's, 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 there's a level of complexity to human beings and a level of life experience too that yeah. kind of, life is designed to beat that out of you at least modern society seems to be and it's not a conspiracy theory or anything it's just kind of the way it's set up you know we're, we're set up to 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 make money and keep things going and it doesn't really foster creativity but when creativity hits we all realize oh my god it's so great that we're creative because we solve these problems with creativity right and then it's like back to like the same go to job, go to work, make money, pay my bills, blah, blah, blah. And it's just kind of like it, it wears on you over time and beats you up. Um, but having that fire inside that you were talking about is key. And mm-hmm. and it's... and not not following authority. There, there's, there's a lot of the authority, um, you know, authoritarian, this need for, you know, big daddy to save us from all the big scary stuff out there. And it's like, you can't live like that. When you're in fear, you're, you're, all your creativity, all your rationale shuts down and you're just in survival mode. And, yeah. and, and on, 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 a, on a second point, I, I think too, that there's a lot of people faking it by being contrarian. And I think there's nothing more annoying than, than a contrarian. I, I've seen these people, especially online, where they just like have to come in and disagree with everything just because. Yep. And that's like not being creative. That's not being anything other than just like showing your weakness. So it's not like yeah. a, 
it, it doesn't denote creativity at all. It it denotes uh, uh, coming from a place of weakness. So, yeah. but but to get to, back to your question, Curtis, is finding like seeing that on the street. I I don't know that I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. understanding yeah. or like you know with, with a little bit of yeah. talking, maybe it's yeah. possible. Like yeah, I'm just trying to say play devil's advocate here, real quick. Uh, just kidding. Contrarian never says devil's advocate. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Kev, about that point, I think it was actually on episode two of my podcast. I had talked about the, or actually, it might have been the hate comments video, the non conformist conformist, which yep. is where someone conforms entirely to the idea of not conforming to anything. They're disagreeing oh, just yeah. to be disagreeable. The non conformist conformist. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. Hip, yeah, hipsters. Hipsters. There you go. Um, <laughs> Two was feedback, wasn't it? Yes, What's yes, that? it was. How to give good feedback. Yeah, yeah, that was feedback. a good one. Yeah, yep. oh, thank you. That I really loved it. Yeah, well, I've I've seen I've heard a lot of people like handing that one off to other people, like who they <laughs> who they they've seen giving bad feedback, and I'm like, oh no, it's becoming like a like a backhanded thing. Yeah. Exactly. Recently, I mean, you guys saw that, right? Like, I know got this one hate comment, like you know like oh, yeah. criticized by someone i literally like took some lines from the podcast and just put it there. Mm. <laughs> i yeah. know it was still in my head like it really helped me a lot like understanding like how to deal with uh these things mm. like you know if if at all it's like all the time i come here i just give critic it's like did someone ask you for critic no then don't give it exactly yeah, I mean, that's a, the yeah, whole point that that's the key point if they didn't ask for it then why do you think that you're like you have a right to you know or yeah. like or even if yeah. you do give critique yeah. why do you think that they have to accept it you know because there seems to be a lot of people that get yeah. the, if if someone denies your critique then a lot of people go well you just can't take criticism well do they have to like you know you've come out of nowhere <laughs> they didn't ask for it like what like what's the thing you don't have control over their life so you know maybe just ask first but yeah, one, one of the key yeah. points about that one was that um, there are so many ways you can word something negative in a positive way to like not hurt someone, right? And it really doesn't yeah. take much effort, but people just can't be bored because they don't care. And I think I think the can example... Can on here? Uh, that's, I'm going to say no. no. I'm going to say no, because <laughs> it, it's, it's on lots of different platforms, so I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but but why, what were you going to say? Oh, the ish sandwich. Oh, yes. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but, oh, what was I going to say now? Drawn off. There's different, oh. lots of different ways to say something negative positively. Yes. Yep. So I think the one example I gave was that when someone says, um, "Yeah, it's it's terrible, it's bad, it's crap, it's it's s word and whatever," and you're like, you could just say, "I appreciate the effort that's going to it. Typically, I don't like this kind of artwork. I'd be interested in seeing what else you can make." Because that's that's literally saying, "I see the effort. I don't like this artwork." Right. That that's if you read between the lines, that's what it says. But like it's that yeah. does, how much longer does that take to write? And it makes yeah. the person still feel good because it feels like, oh, this person's appreciated my time, even though they don't like oh, the yeah. artwork. So <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean 90% of the time when people give critic, they don't really know like what stage or in the learning curve they are in. Mm-hmm. Like if at all it's he was like the first day. Uh, like you know like making the donut and just posting okay this is what i made so far it's like okay the lighting is bad this is bad the texturing is bad no yeah it is bad because this is the first day he can't they don't consider the a learning curve where they are at the point yeah and yeah that really concerns me so whenever i see something most of the time i don't give bad critic 
if they ask for it i will or else i'll be like okay fine that looks really good for whatever yeah. you made like if he's proud of it and he's putting it in the completed projects i'm sure like he's happy with the result for the time he's put in right yeah so right. why 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 yeah. why just have to like push it and like okay this is bad no this is not it's good exactly. for whatever you did it the best and yeah. worst thing you could ask is just be honest right that's both the yeah. best and worst mm-hmm. thing you could ask of someone and i think yeah. like just like that yeah. like i've posted i've shared so many bits of work that have been renders of just um how okay what's the most condensed way to say this like v1s of things that i'm working on just to say like here's what i'm working on in spaces not necessarily in the server because obviously like we have we've been pretty good about that but just in places where it's like i'm not sharing this for your critique i'm sharing this to show you what i'm working on and then i'll get a message back like oh you could do this this that and the other it's like dude i'm just showing you what i'm working on i'm not i don't i'm not asking for advice on what to do i know where i want to take this this is just version one and i was just i thought it was a moment to share but sometimes it's not and it's it's a tricky situation right and i think that delineating those spaces kind of like we have with like this is what is work in progress and we talk about things that are you know here's where you share the things that you're working on and here's where you ask people to actually chime in on those is is a really good way to go about it because it's not necessarily that people are all really sensitive or can't take critique but sometimes it's more helpful to the creative process and taking an idea from from a sort of inception to fruition to have clearly delineated this is where i go for the pat on the back and this is where i go to sit and think about what i've done yes i remember this one time Curtis, like uh when i send this like for you like when you all said like the bricks looks really good mm-hmm. and these people in one of the place where i shared it they're yeah. like it looks bad it's terrible yeah like literally they said these words is like okay i didn't ask for it like i i just sent like whatever i did so far <laughs> yeah yep. you all guys like you know you said you gave like nice critique you said like compositing can be improved and everything which is quite what i wanted at this moment like because i'm done with it i'm not going to touch it ever again but i really want to know what can be improved but um, i remember what curtis said in the in one of his podcast i guess or in one of his discussion videos take advice from the uh, take critic from only from the, the persons only you take advice from god yeah. it's very hard to remember the sentence okay, but yeah I'll, i'll just say only take criticism from people you take advice from All right that's a yeah. shorthand version <laughs> that's, yeah that's it so and i didn't ask for critic or whatever but i just shared it and they they're like okay this could be improved this could be improved yes i do know but i don't know how can you show me no then why mm, yeah <laughs> i just I, i just got so furious it's like you're not helping me yeah just, I, no use i have a magnet I, like, i have a magnet for that on my channel like i I put up a video 20 years it's you know basically I've been at 3D for 20 years so I'm like all right here's 20 years of 3D artist experience I don't say that I've been a paid artist for 20 years I I have actually been a paid artist my first freelance gig was about 20 years ago but you know so so they so I I needed a bunch of B-roll yeah so I used a bunch of B-roll and it was older stuff you know I'm like I'll just show whatever like I don't care I'll just I need filler so I just like found a bunch of like old stuff and I put it on there and I'm like well, you know here's where I was whatever I didn't explain it here's where I was I get personal attacks mm-hmm. like personal and I'm like what the what? like <laughs> I like I had to write to this this one clown came on 
And I'm going to, I'm going to call this person a clown because that's, that's what they are. Like they came on and they're like attacking me and saying my art has no, my artwork has no merit. I, it, it, I'm like, okay, this person's like clearly mentally deranged and possibly dangerous, but I'm like, all right, I, I didn't, I, I took the bait. I don't know why I, I think I was like, I had a few shots of whiskey at time or something. I'm just like, all right, all right, here you go. I'm done. So I just like fire back and he comes back and I'm like, and that's when I'm like, all right, I'm going to play with this guy and I'm just playing or guy, girl, I have no idea. And, and I'm playing and then finally the just total personal attack. And I'm like, all right, we're done. And I like banned this person from my channel. Cause I'm like, I, I just, this person's dangerous. And I'm like, where did the, where does this come from? And it's just total magnet. Like people won't look at the other work. They don't even they don't even stop and ask themselves, like, wow, in this video, is this his new stuff? Is this his old stuff? Like, all you can do is you simply ask, hey, is that your older stuff I see in the video? Is that your newer stuff? You know, they just assume like that's like my best stuff. I'm like, I don't. I'm not gonna put my demo reel stuff, my private. Like, I don't. I don't. I'm not showing people my last name. Like, I'm not. I'm not out there. Like, I keep a level of privacy on my channel, mm -hmm. right? Like, so yeah, yeah, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put my current artwork. Oh, and by the way, like I, I work a ton of stuff under NDA too, which can never see the light of day, right? Especially like the freelance, the new freelance stuff I'm doing, the medical stuff. That stuff, like I hope I can see the light of day someday because it's good. But they just assume and they attack, and it's like you guys are weak. Yeah. It's just weak. So yes. like, I just don't get it. Like, you know? even though like it's your best artwork, what they criticize, like why it's your thing like it's your personal thing you didn't yeah. ask for critic why why do people do that like if somebody doesn't ask for critique, i'm not going to critique it's mm -hmm. just it's just like an unwritten rule of professionalism it's like i i had a you know i just i recently had a guy too who came on my channel he's like your, your stuff it looks like you know it looks like you just started and he, and this is from somebody who actually has like his business profile up on youtube and i'm like do, do you realize like this is making you look like garbage I actually just took it down because a I'm not giving this person like any free advertising on my channel, and b like I'm doing him a favor by like taking down this stupid comment because I've 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 said this before I have actually seen resumes go in the garbage after somebody looks at somebody's put like after HR or a hiring manager looks at somebody's you know um, social media profile. Yeah, I've seen this. Mm -hmm. Trash quite, takes itself quite, out. Yeah, quite. In school, I've seen it. In school, we ask each other. Or constructive criticism, like yeah. the student, the teacher instructs you to get you like when you're doing peer reviews to give constructive criticism, and so like yep. constructive criticism is not like a value judge. It's not a judgment. It's not a value judgment. It's an, it's usually a string of observations. So mm -hmm. if you're gonna offer critique, like you're not offering critique if you say it's terrible, you know, yeah. it's crap. Yeah, that's not a critique. A critique yeah. is I'm not sure where the subject is. In this piece of art like that you know that yeah. could be useful because as an artist you might you created it so you know what the subject is meant to be exactly and yeah it's useful because it's another set of eyes but beyond that like value judgments are just not valuable yeah. especially yeah. if they're not um from people who share your principles yep True. Yeah, um, there's something called brutal critic, right? Like I do ask for people like, okay, be brutal, which means I don't want them to say, okay, it's crap, it's terrible. I just wanted to like nitpick everything what they find something is wrong with it, right? 
But whenever I say like, okay, you can be brutal about this critic and be like, okay, this is terrible, this is bad. What the heck is this? What the heck? Like, no, that's not what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I get it. Yeah. Like, honestly, I'm not lying. It's like, it's, when I say brutal critic, it means like nitpick all the issues that you can find here. Yeah. Like if you're yeah. doing critique, look, like just ask yourself the one simple question of what information is in that piece of critique that they can use to change because terrible is not information at all. It's not information. Yeah. But like it's, one, it's valueless. Talking yeah. about like, you know, the whole having contextual places to separate whether you want to just share something or get critique on something. I think what I've seen is that people generally know what they need. Right. Like, and I guess, in some weird way, a lot of people online think that other people don't know what they need and that they're the ones that need to tell them what they need, you know? Um, I know. And it's about like imposter syndrome, as you were saying, Arturo, like most people feel imposter syndrome a lot. I mean, I've seen people at the top of their game that just go on like extended Twitter rants about how they think they're terrible. And they're like, you've worked on like the biggest I'm... stuff. Like, how do you still feel that way? But like mm -hmm. when people shared their work, I think a lot of people know that to carry on or just to give them validation for doing something, all they just need is a little bit of encouragement from someone else. So that's why they yeah. share it. Yeah. And then just that be keeps positive. going. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, be but, positive. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something that I don't know, but I think there are just negative people out there that think, no, I see what they're doing. They want validation. And I'm going to deny it to them. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? 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 <laughs> gonna, why literally, why? Why are you going to deny them that, that validation? You could just say, oh, it looks cool. Like you could help them out. Why, why do you want to put them down? How does it affect your life? Does putting them down somehow make yeah. you more successful? No, it's just being an asshole. <laughs> it is. You're absolutely right. That's that's yeah. what it is. And people think like I don't know if there's like if there are like you know if there's like people teaching. Oh, here's how you get people to your channel. Go on a big channel or go on somebody go on a video who's successful and just like berate that person. And then people will be so curious they'll click on your stuff and go to your channel and you'll get views. Like no, that doesn't work. That just makes you look like a douche. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. pardon my French, but it's, it's like that's it. Just you you look like it makes you look really bad. Like it's, it yeah, takes it's, just as much energy to be positive as it does to be negative. So why not just be positive? Yeah. Be helpful. I just you know? feel like sometimes um, it doesn't, I mean, few people, okay. Like you don't know what the person is, like who the person is. Just in case if you say like, okay, this is terrible. I don't know like how much it would affect him mentally. Like it's not about, maybe he might quit the whole thing and just leave because he thinks it's not worth it. I just don't get it. Like sometimes yeah, people yeah like if they're so sensitive enough like like you know it can go to that extreme as well just because of your one critic which is which you said it's terrible they might just leave it like they'll never touch it again yeah, yeah. which is terrible like, and you did like, it to him but just don't like, I, just don't do I love i love if you're on twitter look at richard marx he was a songwriter who he had a a, a few hits on his own over the years um but he's probably had like many more like number one hits than so many other people because he writes for other people and you go on you go on like you know he's pretty politically outspoken too but it's hilarious because like people will like just try to like destroy him like oh you're a has-been i don't even know who you are like you're, you're nothing in music and like yeah he still is in the background doing a whole lot in the music industry like mm -hmm. he's incredibly successful and he will just destroy people who come at him and it's the funniest thing ever because you just watch his reactions to these trolls and he just like he just eats them alive and it's the coolest thing ever and i'm like it's great
it's it's cathartic yeah. it's like it's like yeah yeah i, I just realized something else that i forgot to mention in, in the actual feedback episode is that um for for super insecure people right mm-hmm. and you can tell when someone's being super insecure when they're criticizing someone else is that they measure something that they're super focused on as kind of like a, a metric for the value of someone else's work right it's kind yeah. of like what, what you're saying like if someone's yeah. looking at just the surface like music work that that guy has done they go oh yep. yeah you've only done this they're intentionally ignoring everything else that's going on oh yeah like, uh, it's not that yeah it's not even stuff. that they just don't know about it it's that they just don't care or they just don't want it to be real and that's yep. interesting when watching people like you know criticize other youtubers and whatever i don't like this video i don't like this piece of artwork i don't like this product you've made or whatever and like going on like tirades is that the word tirades 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 Tirades, Tirades. that's a word absolutely Um, just about why it's a bad thing and how oh you spent so much time on this and that and do you think okay this is a slither of what's going on right you know you've got to have a bit of perspective (laughs) but we can see that you're tunnel visioning in on one thing and just like putting all your eggs into one negative basket just to try and cause harm like there just needs to be a wider perspective and that's just generally a rule that applies for everyone because everyone's just a big collection of different eggs that's a really weird way of putting it (laughs) it is something to learn about and from everyone exactly i think like for for me the way that it was cemented probably very well um kind of struggling on this because i'm trying to figure out the best way to say it but essentially if you think about every horrible person in history outside of whatever horrible thing that they've done right like they were really good at one specific thing maybe a couple of specific things and if you just absorb that like for example public speaking which is a simple one that comes to when you think Mm -hmm. about like political leaders or uh you know if writing or what have you like you can glean something from that take it to your arsenal use it craft it and then shape it into something and so for me it's always so great especially like on the server i've seen probably the most kind of uh, i would say some of the most aggressive messages i've seen directed at creatives that i've seen on my history on youtube but i've never left a single hateful comment or a single if if i don't like something the most i've done which i think i've done maybe a handful of times is give a thumbs down but even that if i think mm-hmm. something's genuinely misleading i'll give it i'll thumb it down if i don't like the video i won't thumb it down because it's not because i, I try to look at the video outside of me and what i enjoy and think okay but can i see how this would be useful to somebody who's a little bit different than me who has different interests than me like for example i don't follow sports at all but like things that are kind of like sports leaning or sports heavy i don't like but i'm not going to go and dislike this video i'm not going to take some time out of my day to go and dislike somebody's video that has like a sports analogy because they're catering to sports or because they like sports themselves like what i know you know yeah. th- i could take that time and actually go find a video that i do like yep. or yeah leave some constructive criticism if it feels right but this whole culture of i'm going to say exactly what i want to what it's on my mind because i am a keyboard warrior and nobody will find me like you said kev is so damaging because i i've also like been in situations in which people either next to me or around me are just not getting the sort of attention that they deserve for the technical merits because Mm -hmm. their social um schemas are lacking in terms of what is acceptable what is reasonable and what is um honestly 
yeah, I think acceptable is the best way to put it. Like there are some things that just don't make sense no matter what lens you look through it. But some people, I guess maybe for the spirit of being contrarian, will hold that like I reserve the right to comment this negative thing on your video because you posted it on the internet and you should know that this could happen. But think about what the internet would be like if like people weren't, you know, if that wasn't a value that they held, like we could just be all learning and growing from each other. Because like I said, when I started this whole rant, something to learn about from uh, something to learn about everyone and something to learn from everyone. Yeah. Yeah. The, the internet used to be like that when it first started back in like the late nineties, it was, it was very, um, you know, it was academic, mostly in colleges and it was, uh, it was a very, it was a way more positive place. Social media and the weaponization of stuff has really just destroyed that. Like, and, and people think it's cool to just go and say whatever you want. It's like, you don't realize what that's doing. You don't look good doing that. Yeah. And, and people need to learn the hard way when their resumes go in the garbage that, you know, or they don't get called back, you know, yeah, maybe I should, uh, you know, maybe yeah. this isn't the right way to go. If so for, for the people know. that like, you know, just jump around all over the place, just throwing their thoughts left, right and center with no filter, you know, and then get defensive if, you know, someone calls them out for it. If you feel like you have the right, you know, for freedom of speech to say what you like, everyone mm-hmm. else has the right to ignore you. Yeah. That's, that's something that you just need to be, you need to get comfortable with. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, but this it has been, ways. this has been really interesting. I'm going to have to close it up because it's, it's getting on, but, um, thank you everyone for joining me. We've got Arturo, we've got Sharon, we've got Ellie, we've got Kev, we had Markham. Yeah. So thank you. you for have joining. Curtis Holt. Yeah. And Curtis Holt. Right. Curtis so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say that in an American accent? The most American. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yes. I love when you do that. You do it well. It's great. 